Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. The true tarot is symbolism. It speaks no other language and offers no other sign. Welcome to Tarot Major Arcana, the 214th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Arthur Edward Waite. Our opening and closing music are credited as Frost Waltz Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother, and sadly we don't have a Jackson with us today. Nope, he opted out of this one because he just does his tarot all by vibes and so That's he was like, I have nothing to contribute. But before we get into all of that, mm-hmm. we got to start with housekeeping. Yes, we do. A very happy 2023. Uh-huh. We made it, people. We made it through 2022. We're into 2023. Fingers crossed for a boring year. (laughs) No. No major drama. Major drama 2023. But yes, it's our first recording of the month as well as of the year. (laughs) So it is time to read the names of the patrons. Sit back, y'all. So to start with, we have 31 kittens. We love you, kittens. We have 22 cats, and their names are Jeremy Glassenhart. Renjamin, Tiffany Kozash, Willow Green, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Renee Nyan, Amber Stark, Kelly Burt, Nova Misko, Annabelle Lee, Rose Shepard, Candy Russell, The Dryad, Claire K.R. Miller, Squiggy, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt, again, Coney Briggs, Shokora, Rebecca Hillman, and Cindy Barrick. We love you, cats. Thank you, cats. We have 61 hunters, and their names are Sarah Goff, Lisa and Dean Gore, Scout, Lisa N., Heather Weidman, Annie Ray, Tom Warfell, Brandon Adair, C.J. Kaufman, Hexa Luna, Mary Rose, Mike Stanley, Misa Skye, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Michaela, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Maharet, Talia Franks, Justin Harrell, Starlight Lokison, Knight Ryan, Druidic Heart, Daughter of Oak, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Sophia Duncan, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Samwise the Blonde, Kitty Catastrophe, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, La Petite Poisson, Loriana Lee Knapp, Saga, Melissa Gerben, Maddie Kunes, Megan Kipper, Corvus Felliday, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Teresa Tomblin, Roshala and Dasvid, David Dashifen Keys, Zemina Kokoro, Amy Martin, Sky Bierce, Jim Two Snakes, Sarenth Odinson, Ushi Ursa, Victoria Selnas, Finn, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Quinn Ann ASMR, Dahlia Darge, Jace Helmer, Jessica Jones, and Lore. We love you, hunters. Thank you to our many, many hunters. Many, many. We have 11 leopards, and their names are Caitlin Lowry, Anita Road, Jody Cozy, Luna, Swan Fairywater, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Eleanor Faithful, Chris Colibri, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love you, leopards. Thank you to our leopards. We have five tigers, and their names are Around Grandfather Fire, Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love you, tigers. 
We have two Panthers, and their names are Laurel Jade and Don Taylor. We love you, Panthers. Thank you, Panthers. And we have three Jaguars. Jaguars. And their names are Lori Phillips, Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanage. We love you, Jaguars. Thank you, Jaguars. (laughs) Thank you to all of our patrons and to all of our listeners. Absolutely. And I just realized, happy anniversary to Three Pagans and a Cat podcast. Yes. We have now been at this for five years. Mm Kind of missed the anniversary. (laughs) Close enough. For that reason also, we just want to say thank you for listening to us for mm-hmm. five years and our patrons for supporting us for mm-hmm. five years. You guys are amazing. Yeah. Five years ago, this is this was no. not in my five-year plan. <laughs> no, no. We had no clue it was going to go this long or the changes that would happen mm-hmm. or the support that you guys would give to us or the community that would be that would, created yeah, that would grow up around, around you. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And really, it does all come down to our listeners. It mm-hmm. comes down to you guys. And so we love you, and we thank you for sticking out with us here, uh-huh. sticking it out. Despite many changes. Despite many changes. Here's to another year mm-hmm. of Three Pagans and a Cat. 2023. Going to be a good one. 2023. Going to be a good one. Do we have any other housekeeping? Um, We will be going to convocation yes. in February. We will be going to convocation. We will be teaching. We've had that confirmed. We will be teaching three classes. I don't have the dates and times for that on hand and I'm not sure yet if they've been formally announced. So we'll we'll keep you updated as we get closer to February. Mm-hmm. But just so that you know, you can Google Convocation Detroit. Mm-hmm. You can pull up that information if you're interested in going. If you want to find and out more. And if you are interested in going, I really suggest getting your hotel now. now. Mm-hmm. If you're not local to Detroit. Because they do it's, have a special. Yep. For... But it's going to fill up fast. Yep. Um, but I think that's everything for housekeeping. I believe so. Okay. Then we are house kept and house swept. Beautiful. <laughs> so this is going to be the start of a series, short series, doing like a card by card exploration of the tarot. We've talked about the tarot mm-hmm. before and about interpretation methods and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we've been asked before, like, uh, how do you interpret this card or that card? And mm-hmm. so it seemed like it would be expedient to just do a quick little series mm-hmm. and sort of break it because there's too many cards to do it all in one episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to break it up into little chunks. And so we're going to do the Major Arcana in this episode. And then in a few more episodes over the course of the next couple of months, we'll do each of the suits. I guess the first thing to talk about is that we're going to be focusing on a Rider Waite Smith tarot right. paradigm. Mm-hmm. Because that's the most common tarot paradigm in the world, at least in the Western world. And it's the one Gwyn and I are both most familiar with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you want to give like a brief history of just tarot? Like just a, like a brief snapshot? I mean, I would really, I like I don't have my current notes on it. Mm-hmm. So I would really suggest you go back and listen to our original well, divination episode where I dive into the history of tarot really extensively. But essentially, it was originally a card game, Mm -hmm. which was... Started in the 15th century. Yep. Italy, Germany, Mm -hmm. France, in Europe. And it was originally basically a storytelling card game. card game. Um, And and a lot of the imagery was based on local lore mm -hmm. or allegorical and cultural significance. Sometimes, yeah. And sometimes not even that. People made their own tarot decks Mm -hmm. because this was pre-printing press in a lot of cases, or printing was very expensive. So these were decks that, like aristocrats were making specifically for their mm-hmm. for their own purposes. So each deck was unique and, and they, they were not intended for a mystical purpose. Yeah, I was just going to say that they really had no mystical or mm-hmm. magical connotations or or significance at that time. It really was truly a parlor game. Yep. It acquired 
a mystical significance. Basically through the same mechanism as traditional fortune telling through playing cards. Mm -hmm. um, there was already a tradition of fortune telling with traditional playing cards and it was just sort of expanded to tarot and then because tarot mm -hmm. had the convenience of these pictorial symbols mm -hmm. instead of the the more simplified representations on a in a traditional playing card deck mm -hmm. tarot took off as the more predominant style of card-based fortune telling exactly and it didn't really get that kind of occult divinatory mm -hmm. application until the 18th century yeah so a couple of hundred years later yeah yeah it took a couple of hundred years and a lot of it did develop in italy yep and there are still places in europe where you can play like og parlor game tarot mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i just want to get that out of the way Yep. Just so that we can sort of demystify the tarot a little bit. Because I know a lot of people really go hard on the, like, the mystic ancient origins of tarot. And frankly, it doesn't have mystic ancient it, origins. It really doesn't. It started as a parlor game mm -hmm. and significance was added over time. Yeah. Now, various individuals or groups did systematize mm -hmm. modern tarot, which is used for divinatory purposes. Mm -hmm. The Rider-Waite-Smith tarot is one in particular that was specifically designed with mm -hmm. mystical significance in mind. Right. They drew on a lot of folkloric mm -hmm. and Christian and occult mysticism mm -hmm. in developing the symbology for the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot. Mm -hmm. But that isn't a natural function of tarot just as a product. It's a function of the work those people did to imbue meaning mm -hmm. into those cards. Now, they also were definitely guilty of the I'm channeling ancient wisdom thing. Yes, yes, but... <laughs> yes, yes, they were. But that was a marketing tactic. <laughs> we know today mm -hmm. that the tarot is a very powerful, intuitive, it's a versatile. versatile tool mm -hmm. and divinatory mechanism where people can look into the past, the present, the future, can discern what's going on in the spirit. And one of the reasons it's so effective, which mm -hmm. we've talked about before, like in our divination episode, mm -hmm. is that it has a very specific set of symbols yep. that have established meanings. So it has a flexible mm -hmm. but robust mm -hmm. set of symbologies that interact with your personal mm -hmm. set of symbologies. Which is why so many modern decks are based off of Rider Waite, mm -hmm. Smith, or, you know, one of the other standard decks that mm -hmm. became very popular. We have hundreds and hundreds of different types of decks, mm -hmm. and many of them feel very different from mm -hmm. the other. The imagery is different. The interpretations can feel different, but yet there's still that base. There's a core. There's a core meaning. Yeah. So that once you get to know the core, mm -hmm. you can go out to these other types of tarot and start to understand them. There's a there's that underlying mm -hmm. thread yeah. that links all of the different tarots right. together. If you have a traditional tarot deck, you're mm -hmm. going to have 72 cards. You're going to have a major arcana. You're yeah. going to have a minor arcana. With the Major Arcana specifically, mm -hmm. there are a couple of ways to view the Major Arcana. Mm -hmm. One of the very popular perspectives on the Major Arcana is to view it as the Fool's Journey, mm -hmm. which is a perspective that the Fool, which is the zero card in the Major Arcana, mm -hmm. is starting a journey and is progressing through the stages of that journey, meeting all of the other cards mm -hmm. until culminating in the 21st card in the Major Arcana, the world. Right. That's a very Joseph Campbell perspective on tarot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's nothing 
wrong with it. It can be useful. It's especially useful if you're learning tarot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very useful for sort of describing the evolution of the cards as they sort of escalate in power and sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. I would caution people not to take it as like the only right. way to interpret the major arcana. If you get locked into this fool's journey perspective, it can sometimes blind you mm -hmm. to other aspects of a card. Mm -hmm. One of the other ways to view the major arcana that distinguishes it from the minor arcana is that the major arcana is major or, or significant shifts in your life or external forces acting upon you. Mm -hmm. So... The major arcana would be big things mm -hmm. and the minor arcana would be small things or the major arcana would be external forces and the minor arcana would be internal forces. And that's not to say that you can't have like a, a blending and of these different styles. That is honestly what I do. I, I am conscious of all these perspectives on the, the cards simultaneously mm -hmm. and I just sort of fuse them together following my intuition. And let the cards tell you what they're trying to say mm -hmm. for each individual read. Yes. So I started learning tarot with the intuitive tarot, a deck that I no longer have, but which was my soul deck for about a decade. That was the deck I got as a teenager. It was my one little witchy thing that I had. Mm -hmm. And that deck taught me to engage with tarot in a very particular way, which I have carried with me to all of my other tarot practice. Mm -hmm. That deck taught me to treat each card, and this was probably like the earliest inklings of my, of what would eventually become my animistic practice, but it taught me to, to think of each card as an individual being. Like the characters in the card and the nature of the card were whole beings that I could communicate with and so learn from. Mm -hmm. And so I went through a practice as a teenager of what were called dialogues with the cards, mm -hmm. where I literally sat down with the card and would sort of free write, free associate, like do a little journal session mm -hmm. of a conversation with that card, trying to learn what lessons it had to teach me. It's really interesting because you intuited that but that is actually a method that many tarot teachers mm -hmm. will te will give to their students. In fact, it was uh, laid out. That's how the easy guide to tarot mm -hmm. is laid out with that exact same kind of uh, idea in mind. Yeah. And so that's really what I recommend if you're starting from scratch, if you have no tarot experience, at least for the major arcana. Right. You don't have to do this necessarily for the minor arcana. I did because it was the only witchy thing I had access to and I was obsessed with it. <laughs> but we already know that I tend to do things a little too much. If you can do this just with the major arcana, the major arcana is 22 cards mm -hmm. because it starts with zero and goes to 21. I know there's, there's sometimes a misconception that there are 21 cards in the it's major 22. arcana. There are 22 cards in the major arcana. And the fool is at zero, and it can be placed, technically speaking, either at the beginning or at the end mm -hmm. of the arcana. If you just do a card a day with the major arcana, you can get through this dialogue process in a month. Mm -hmm. So if you can dedicate one month to every day engaging with the spirit of mm -hmm. each card in the major arcana, I think you will be really well set up to start a regular tarot practice. And this is a really good thing to do, even if you are a regular, you know, professional tarot reader, mm -hmm. it's always good to go back kind and- Kind of a refresher. Refresher, get to know your cards again. Or Especially if you have a new deck. If you have a new deck that you've only worked with occasionally, mm -hmm. or it's just brand new and you mm -hmm. want to get to know it, the imagery is maybe a little different, that it's a great way to get to know your major arcana. Mm -hmm. The easiest way to go through this 
process mm -hmm. is to go through each of the cards one at a time and give sort of the standard interpretations of them. Gwen and I have both brought decks with us because we both follow the symbology on the cards a lot. Mm -hmm. But I guess before we get into that, we should probably do a commercial I just because that's gonna a, say. this is a, like a logical place to break it. But then we're going to pretty quickly go through each card and give you sort of keywords and general vibes for that card and sort of how we tend to interpret them in a spread in different positions. Mm -hmm. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative, with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for their down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources, including dedicated community space, a permanent home for a pagans-in-need pantry, and a lending library. Join them online or in person for regular events, including rituals and discussion groups, at weaversoftheweb.org, or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Weavers ATC. Goodreads, Hail Dictiness. So we're going to start with the Fool. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the Fool is the zero card. So technically speaking, can be at the front or the back of the Arcana, mm -hmm. but is typically placed at the front for convenience and because of the Fool's Journey Association. Mm -hmm. The Fool is traditionally represented by a young man with a dog. Yeah, Gwyn has a more traditional Rider White Tarot. I'm using the True Black here, which is a little more... Esoteric. Yeah, a little more vaguely symbologized. That's why I really like... The, the, the tarot that I use the most is the Gilded Tarot, mm -hmm. and it is based on the Rider White, more updated version of the Rider White, but it's very similar to mm -hmm. the original okay. symbology. The original imagery of the Rider Waite. It's just more updated, more colorful. So like for my, for instance, my Fool card has a young man, but he's dressed up like a jester. Mm -hmm. He does have a dog chasing him, but he's also juggling different uh, astrological, astrological symbols. symbols. Yeah. Traditionally, the Fool is midway stepping off a cliff. Like mm -hmm. he's just taken one step off and we haven't seen yet if he's going to fall or fly. Mm -hmm. And that is the essential core of the Fool card is... He um, has confidence, but does he have skill? And yes. Does he have wisdom? If he has wisdom, does he have skill? Um, and by, by definition, he doesn't. The right. nature of the Fool is to be guileless, mm -hmm. to have no knowledge of the world. In fact, my Fool here in the, in the True Black Tarot is represented by a toddler mm -hmm. um, whose vision is obscured by a butterfly. So, like... Not even toddler knowledge is being applied here. The nature of the fool is specifically to not know where you're going mm -hmm. or what you're going to face on the journey, but to take that step confidently and with a certain joy. Yeah. He's also often represented carrying a knapsack, which is supposed to sort of represent all of his worldly possessions. Mm -hmm indicating that the fool is very much a throwing all of his eggs into one basket individual. Mm -hmm. Now, something I do want to point out, the major arcana cards tend to be figures. Mm -hmm. They tend to be characters. Yeah. But they do not always, in a spread, represent a person. No. Sometimes they represent a state or a condition. An energy. A situation. Mm -hmm. An influence. An influence, absolutely. And that influence may not be a person. Mm -hmm. It's just something acting on your life which has this core element mm -hmm. represented by it. Exactly. And I think... 
that tends to come up a lot in my own personal readings. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it'll represent an actual human being. Right. But it most of the time it's representing an energy, an influence, a situation, mm-hmm. something that is not physical yeah. necessarily. Sometimes it represents a state of mind mm-hmm. or a shift from your perspective towards the perspective represented by the card mm-hmm. or that your perspective is stuck in the perspective represented by the card. Yeah. All of this varies depending on its placement in a spread. This is something I know a lot of, especially beginners with tarot struggle with, is recognizing that just because there is a character on the card mm-hmm. does not mean that the card represents a, a person. A specific individual. Yeah. So following the fool, in the first step, we have the magician. The magician. This is a very popular card because the magician represents the first steps of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So moving from the fool, this position of having no wisdom and no understanding, we move to the magician who does not necessarily have wisdom, Mm -hmm. but does have knowledge. Knowledge. And in my, for instance, in my deck, he has knowledge of the four elements. Mm -hmm. And they're all, which are represented in the suits. Yep. And so they're all within his grasp. Yep. He's usually presented with an infinity symbol Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere on the card, usually above or around his head. Mm -hmm. He's often carrying all of the symbols of the suit. So Mm -hmm. he'll be carrying a cup, a wand, a sword, and a pentacle. Mm -hmm. He is an expression of power. Mm -hmm. The magician is an active force Mm -hmm. who not only has knowledge, but uses knowledge. Mm -hmm. So the function of the magician is to move something forward, to engage actively with the world in a way that empowers you. Mm -hmm. Like I said, this is not always with wisdom. And sometimes the magician can be a trickster figure, especially Mm -hmm. in a reversed position. Especially if he's working with the various elements without wisdom Mm -hmm. and he might have just enough knowledge to be dangerous. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the nature of the of the magician is to know enough to cause problems, mm-hmm. but not necessarily to know enough to solve them, mm-hmm. which is where the rest of the deck is going to come in. But there are also sometimes, it can also be an implication that, you know, you have these things, you have access, you have access to, them. to them. Yeah. yeah. And so... To, you have an, unlocked them. You have unlocked them. And it's an encouragement to learn. Mm-hmm. And to keep moving and forward. And to keep moving forward. I like to think of the magician as the elevated fool. Mm-hmm. He is the graduation of the fool from a position of complete ignorance. And innocence. And innocence to a position of power, which is corruptible. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily corrupted. But corruptible. Potentially corruptible. Because he has access to to so much power. power. The magician can be an important message Mm -hmm. to check yourself. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your power. Mm -hmm. Step into your sovereignty. Mm -hmm. The magician is certainly a card of sovereignty. But recognize where the limits and boundaries of that power should be, Mm -hmm. even if they are not immediately obvious. Mm -hmm. Next... In the second position, we have the High Priestess. Yes. High Priestess is often seen as sort of a parallel to the Magician, I think, Mm -hmm. in a dualistic way, Mm -hmm. because we have first that very masculine power active presence. Mm -hmm. And then with the High Priestess, we have a very feminine, passive, receptive Mm -hmm. presence. Now, for me, and, you know, especially when I'm looking at the card, she represents mysticism. She represents having access to both things that are mundane and spiritual. She has an esoteric power Mm -hmm. that is different from the elemental power that the magician wields. The high priestess, again, 
is not quite wise, but she is powerful differently than the magician. She yeah. doesn't act on the world. She acts on herself. And she has secret knowledge. Mm -hmm. She is focused inward, mm -hmm. sometimes to an excessive or an exclusive degree. There are certainly uh, interpretations of the high priestess which, which emphasize that she has withdrawn from society mm -hmm. or from engagement with society to a degree which is unhealthy for her. Mm -hmm. She is the oracle in the cave. Yeah. She is. She is like the priestess mm -hmm. at Delphi. Yeah. I think because we tend to use the term high priestess very liberally in pagan spaces, just calling sort of the leader of a coven a high priestess, right. we actually underestimate what the high priestess in the tarot represents. Mm -hmm. She does not represent a physical leader of a coven. Mm -mm. She does not represent just a skilled practitioner. No. She represents someone who has gone so far in her craft that all of her craft is taking place in her mind. Mm -hmm. So she's very powerful, but she's very exclusive. I would agree with that. <laughs> but like I said, but I also, because of the imagery that I have, she, she does have connection to the earth, but she tends to stay in that esoteric space. So. Her connection to the earth, I think, is is incomplete. Yeah. She had a connection to the earth, and she used it to access these deeper mysteries, and those deeper mysteries have pulled her away from the earth. Yeah. That's how I usually perceive the high priestess. That's fair. Next, in the number three spot, we have the empress. The empress. I love the empress. The empress is usually seen as the divine mother, the predominant maternal figure in the deck. Most of the queens in the suits will also be interpreted as mothers, but they will be Mothers with distinct focuses. Mm -hmm. The Empress is the eternal Ur-mother. Mm -hmm. I usually perceive her as being more distant from her children, simply mm -hmm. because she has so many of them that none of them can have her full attention. And she's got greater responsibility. Exactly. And the queens are the more interactive mothers. Mm -hmm. The Empress is the concept of a mother. Mm -hmm. And also the concept of a queen. I associate the Empress with Frigga. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely with Frigga or Hera mm -hmm. or any of the queen goddesses, mm -hmm. Persephone. She's a queen. She's she not is, a mother, per se. I don't know that I, I, I have a different association yeah. with Persephone. It doesn't That's matter. True. But the point is, she's powerful, but she's remote. Yes. She's regal. Yes. And that regality sets her apart from mm -hmm. a potential closeness with her children. Yes. Her children are valued, mm -hmm. but they are not necessarily loved. And she is large and in charge. Mm -hmm. The Empress, and I think this is an important distinction, the Empress does not subordinate herself to anyone. No. Although there is an Emperor card, and we'll get to him shortly, mm -hmm. the Empress and the Emperor stand on even footing. Yes, they do. Unlike the, the King and the Queen in the suits, who do have subordinated positions, mm -hmm. the Empress and the Emperor, although they are placed third and fourth in the deck, mm -hmm. that's purely for practical reasons. They are on equal footing. Definitely. So they are both large and in charge. They mm -hmm. just have different realms of authority. Mm -hmm. And I would go so far as to say that although she is the divine eternal mother, mm -hmm. the empress's realm of authority is not the home. No, no. Her realm of authority is, she's the mother of, of the realm. Of the realm, of a region. She's the queen in chess. Yeah. She's the most powerful piece on the board. Mm -hmm. She can absolutely dominate a strategy. Mm -hmm. She's not invulnerable, but she has an essential and exclusive function. Yes. Which sets her apart from everything else. Yeah. 
I think that's a good way to look at it. Rhiannon Gray says the Empress card is the card of wisdom, in my opinion. I don't know that I agree with that necessarily. I think we get to wisdom further into the Major Arcana. Mm -hmm. I Certainly, I would say the Empress is differently wise than the High Priestess. Mm -hmm. The Empress very much deals in practical realities. Yes. She is more earthbound. Mm -hmm. I would say she's more earthbound than the High Priestess yeah. is. Mm -hmm. She deals less with spiritual matters. But they both have, you know, certainly they both have wisdom. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she's more of an earthly realm and the High Priestess is more of a spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. But obviously tarot is subjective. Part of interpreting tarot is interpreting the differences between a set interpretation, mm -hmm. which has been laid down by generations of practice, mm -hmm. and your personal symbology. Right. Which is why you can have radically different interpretations of the same quote-unquote card in different decks even, mm -hmm. depending on the symbols that are present in the artwork on that card. I'm looking at the book for the Empress mm -hmm. that I have. Growth, prosperity, fertility. These are all things of an earthly realm. Mm -hmm. The Empress, I would say, is pentacles aligned. Fourth card is the Emperor. He is the Divine Father. He is the Ur-Authority figure. Mm -hmm. He usually represents a form of earthly authority in a petitioner's life. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, again, a person, can certainly be a person, especially if you get like a workplace reading. Mm -hmm. The emperor will usually represent a boss or a company or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, in a family reading, the emperor sometimes represents a father or an uncle or grandfather. I think it is, again, pentacles aligned. It is Yes. Because, you know, he has that earthly realm of financial responsibility and, mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Yes. Now, I do want to be clear that all of the arcana cards, none of them are element exclusive. No. They no. all apply to every, every suit. Every single element, yeah. But I would say certainly that the emperor has a focus on mm -hmm. the function of the realm. Mm -hmm. And his function is authority mm -hmm. and stability. Right. He is not a flexible card. No. He does not tolerate disagreements. Mm -hmm. He dislikes being questioned. He's an emperor. He is an emperor, yeah. He is, a, and, and not even a king, an emperor. Yeah. He is accustomed to having rule over kings, mm -hmm. right? There is no higher authority than the emperor in his own mind. Mm -hmm. And that is the most difficult and the most powerful aspect of this card. Mm -hmm. Because when you are in the emperor's position, you have supreme confidence and you have supreme authority over a situation. When the emperor is challenging you in some way, it is, he's very, very difficult to overcome. Mm -hmm. Card number five is the Hierophant. Hierophant. The Hierophant represents a specific kind of, not even spiritual, but religious mm -hmm. authority. The Hierophant represents ideologies and structured spirituality. Mm -hmm. He is wisdom constrained. So wisdom is often thought of as a constraint, but it isn't. Wisdom is a broadening of the mind mm -hmm. to many circumstances. The Hierophant is constraining wisdom to a specific path. An institution. Mm -hmm. It's very much institutionalized wisdom and spirituality and, and religion. And spiritual authority. And authority, yep. Yes. 
Doesn't mean it's not benevolent or... Exactly. Uh, this is something that Gwen in particular struggled with a lot when she mm -hmm. first started reading tarot. I remember we had a lot of discussions about she had a hard time reading the Hierophant as a positive card. Yep. The Hierophant can be a positive Very card. Positive. The Hierophant can represent a mentor mm -hmm. or... A teacher. A teacher, a, a figure of authority who can give you permission to access something. The Hierophant can be a very positive card. Uh, it can even represent your own development of a more narrow, specific kind of wisdom. It can also represent that sometimes these institutions are necessary positive forces mm -hmm. that can be helpful to people. Mm -hmm. it, that's We have to remember that. So although the Hierophant, like I said, sometimes gets a bad rep because people yeah. have issues, institutional trauma, the Hierophant is not a negative card no, by nature. It is not. No. It is circumstantial depending on how it is placed in the spread and how you are interpreting it. And as my baggage has gotten dealt with over the years, I have come to have a better relationship with the hero fant mm -hmm. in my deck. Yeah, I actually really like the Hierophant card. Like I said, for me it represents putting a more specific set of guidelines mm -hmm. on an expansive wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that can be a useful step. It's yeah. not necessarily a final step. Sometimes it's, it's useful after that to take those blinders off again. Mm -hmm. But it can be certainly useful for narrowing your focus. Yep. Number six card is the Lovers. Most misunderstood card in the Major Arcana. This card does not represent romantic relationships. No, it doesn't. This card represents making choices. Mm -hmm. Having two, specifically two, divergent paths which are irreconcilable and which once you choose one, the other is closed to you forever. Mm -hmm. That can apply to a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. It can apply to something like choosing to get married mm -hmm. or choosing to sign a contract or mm -hmm. something like that. But that is absolutely not the fundamental meaning of, of the lovers. Mm -hmm. The lovers is purely about making choices, having that choice presented to you. I think a lot of people do interpret it as love and relationships. They do, and I think that is a mistake. <laughs> but there is, is there is a romantic card in the deck. It's just not in the major arcana. Yeah, it's in the minor arcana. It's in the minor arcana. It's and two a, of cups. It, and I would much rather, if I'm doing a, a reading about love and relationships, I'd much rather get a two of cups. Two of cups, much more auspicious much for a romantic relationship. Because quite often uh, a lover's card can indicate difficulty and trauma and choices. It, they're irreconcilable choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's an ultimatum card. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just not a strong foundation to build a relationship on. But that's not how, like, even in my own book, it's, mm -hmm. it's uh, you know, considered a positive, like, soulmates kind of thing. I, like, I think it's a false. lot of people. It's false. But for me, that that is not how it's interpreted. I strongly disagree with all of those interpretations. Yeah. For me, the lovers is the card of choices, period. <laughs> Number seven, the chariot. The chariot. The chariot is a card of decision-making, differently than the lovers is. The card doesn't represent choices. The card represents finding your path through difficult terrain. And I feel like it also has a balance issue. Yes, very much so. In fact, in a traditional Rider-Waite-Smith tarot, the chariot has a black horse and a white horse, mm. and symbolically those represent emotions and intellect. Yeah. And it is the job of the charioteer to guide emotion and intellect in the same direction mm -hmm. lest they tear the chariot apart. Right, because that is what the driver does is keep those horses or or animals working together mm -hmm. in one direction. Yeah. So the function of the chariot is to remind you that moving forward requires directed action 
and it requires you to marshal all of your forces and balance your various needs. Mm -hmm. You cannot move forward purely by intellect and you cannot move forward purely by emotion. You can move forward with them, yeah. but not to your intended destination. Exactly, and you may find yourself veering one mm -hmm. way or another or getting foundered mm -hmm. because you are you have unequally balanced, allocated. allocated movement. Mm -hmm. Number eight. Strength. Strength. I love the strength card. Strength is an interesting card because it is simultaneously what it says on the tin. Strength mm -hmm. is is the, the root meaning of the strength card. Right. But it's a different kind of strength than I think people usually perceive it as being. Mm -hmm. So the traditional symbology of strength is a woman with a lion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she is putting her hand in the lion's mouth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she is very doing a very Androcles and the lion thing of pulling right. a thorn from its paw. But the woman and the lion are both present on the card. Courage is very much a part of this, but also so is patience. Yes. I think the most important thing to understand about the strength card mm -hmm. is that the lion does not represent the strength. No, it's the woman. The woman represents the strength. The lion is the trial. It, this is not a card of brute strength or of force or of raw power. This is a card of reconciliation. Courage. Courage. Compassion. Diplomacy. Um, diplomacy. This is a card about... I always frame it this way to people who are having their first reading with me. Mm -hmm. Strength is about turning enemies into allies. Yep. It requires you to come from a place of deep empathy and compassion, usually for someone you do not like, and to make peace with them to accomplish a larger goal. It's Androcles and the lion. Exactly. Go look that story up and read it if you're not familiar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I said, strength is simultaneously Mm -hmm. A card which is exactly what it says on the tin and also widely misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. Strength is often not going to make you feel good to put into practice, but it is an essential component of the process of the major arcana. Mm -hmm. um, because even if you don't subscribe to the fool's journey, right. you can very much understand the major arcana as an alchemical process developing the fool into the world mm -hmm. and then back again. Mm -hmm. We already had the magician for raw power. Mm -hmm. He was first. Yep. With the very first thing we got in this process was the raw electric spark of life. Mm -hmm. And gradually over time, we've been developing more and more complex philosophies mm -hmm. and understandings. And strength is where we start to culminate those things in empathy and compassion. The hermit is another favorite of mine. Yes, number nine. Because... For me, more so even than the high priestess, who is very much spirituality mm -hmm. and things like that, inner workings of the mind mm -hmm. and spirit, the hermit is about going deep within to learn wisdom. I would say the hermit is where you gain that gain unconstrained that, uh, wisdom. Exactly. It's where you, you're going into that cave. Mm -hmm. You're releasing what no longer serves you. You're learning. You're growing. And it's that process of gaining wisdom. Mm -hmm. It's contemplation and withdrawal. Is exactly. The, you know. It is represented by a hermit, so it has some themes of isolation and mm -hmm. withdrawal. But sometimes those are necessary steps mm -hmm. in gaining wisdom and in sort of assimilating yeah. everything you've learned. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, you do have to step away from all of the activity around mm -hmm. you. Especially so, in the modern world, which is so yeah. busy, so loud. So that you can stop and refocus. I think the hermit is about refocusing mm -hmm. energy and time and 
knowledge, gaining knowledge, practicing skill in a way that is different from the other cards. Because something very important about the Hermit mm -hmm. is that although he is framed in darkness, he holds a lantern. Yeah. He is illuminating his surroundings despite the darkness exactly. around him. And he's learning that he has the wisdom within himself. Mm -hmm. He just has to pull it out and search for it and illuminate it mm -hmm. with that light. In fact, in my true black tarot, the hermit doesn't hold a lantern at all. He mm -hmm. generates the light generates himself. Generates the light. I like that. That's very cool. So... Number 10, Wheel of Fortune. Uh, in my true black tarot, it's actually styled as destiny mm -hmm. because that's essentially what it is. Yeah, it is a destiny card. This is the card of just like, let it ride. Yeah, yeah. You, you cannot affect this outcome. Exactly. It's whether it's going forward or, or backward, whichever mm -hmm. way it is, it is fate. Yeah. Destiny. It is whatever is coming. Is inevitable. Is inevitable. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to come to you how it chooses, not how you choose. I, I think the Wheel of Fortune is a card that's actually often misinterpreted as being more positive than it is. Sometimes. I see people sort of latching onto the fortune part and being like, oh, good luck will come to you. It just means change. It just means, yeah. It just means a revolution, a revolution of the wheel. A revolution of the wheel. Some, some new thing is coming. Yeah. It may be positive or negative. You won't know until it gets here and you can have no effect on the outcome. Mm-hmm. Number 11, Justice. Another balance card. Yep. Um, <laughs> and she's another one that sort of is what she says on the tin. Mm -hmm. I will say I find Justice has a lot to do with community relations. Mm -hmm. This is something I found in practice more than something that is innate to the function of the mm -hmm. card. But I found that in practice, at least in my readings, mm -hmm. justice represents the necessary balance between what your community requires and what you require. Mm -hmm. For me, it's a balance between the head and the heart. Intellectual versus emotional decision-making. That's often what... See, uh, to me, that's the chariot. So that's interesting. It is interesting. I can see parallels there, I think, because we tend to make decisions that are, that favor us more emotionally and decisions that favor our community more intellectually. I feel like justice, whereas the chariot is saying balance in moving, marshalling your, marshalling your, forces. your forces, I feel like the justice card is bringing reason and emotion together so you can make wise choices. That's interesting. I, I disagree with you about that's that okay. interpretation. That's but, okay. But that's... Also, it also has... To do with legality as well. Yes, it, it often shows up when there is a court case mm -hmm. or when there should be a court case. Yep, yep. It has a lot to do with procedure mm -hmm. um, and doing things in the correct order. So sometimes justice will show up in a reading when like you're trying to skip a step mm -hmm. and you need to go back and do all the paperwork first. I feel like there's a lot of logic. The yeah. logical mind is very much a part of definitely the justice card. Yeah, it's a very intellectually aligned card. Mm -hmm. And that's in part because uh, it often has a sword featured on it. And swords in tarot decks mm -hmm. represent intellect. Mm -hmm. Number 12 is the hanged man. Oh, the hanged man. The card of indecision. That's right. The card of being stuck in one place. You can't go forward. You can't move mm -hmm. back. Having difficulty making a choice. <laughs> yeah, difficulty. You often see it paired with the lovers because it, yeah. it represents a difficulty making that decision. Mm -hmm. In my very first deck, and this heavily influenced how I understood the Hanged Man. Mm -hmm. In my very first deck, the Intuitive Tarot, the Hanged Man was framed in front of a bunch of 
chords that mm. all led in different directions. Yeah. So for me, the hanged man represents not just indecision, mm -hmm. but a decision paralysis, mm -hmm. which is blocking you off from bountiful opportunities. Mm -hmm. The hanged man is something to overcome. Yeah, yeah. You're stuck in place. Mm -hmm. it, it, you're not moving forward. You're not moving back. You're not seeing the options available to you. You're missing opportunities. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what the hanged man means to me. Yeah. And even in this, in the, the true black tarot that I'm looking at here, the hanged man, there are, there are butterflies all around him and mm -hmm. at his feet. And there's one even just kissing his face, but he's turned away from it. He's yeah. just refusing to engage with these opportunities being presented yeah. to him. And I have the traditional man hanging upside down with his legs all, mm -hmm. all tied up in cords, mm -hmm. not doing anything to free himself. Yeah. The thing is there, it's not even tightly wound around his legs. He's just hanging there. Mm -hmm. His hands are free. Mm -hmm. He actually could release himself. He just doesn't. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a big feature of the hanged man is that you have these opportunities. You and could be making these choices. And there could be some fear associated with that because, you know, if you unloot, you're, you're hanging right. upside you're, down. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. It's going it, to hurt. Once you release yourself, you're going to fall and hit the ground. Uh-huh. It is going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Um, but it's a small, necessary pain. Yeah. 13... Is the one that gets everybody scared. Oh, the death card. Death. Everybody thinks this means someone is going to die physically. Literally. Literally. And sometimes, and some, very rarely, it does. But I think that's because there's been a lot of movie interpretations. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's going to be something dire and they use the tarot, the death card always comes up. Really about change. Really. Yeah, and, and it's things, transition. Transition. And in order for something new to grow, sometimes things have to die. Yeah. So that something new can grow from those, you know, like the phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. Death is not a necessarily positive card, but it's not a necessarily negative one either. Exactly. Death is a value neutral card. Yeah. It's just telling you that something is going to change in your life, whether you want it to or not. And for people, that can be a frightening time. That, yes. That can be very a very scary thing. They don't necessarily like where they're at. They're, you know, because it comes right after the hanged man, people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You so, hit the ground. You hit the ground. <laughs> and so that can be that can be painful, that can be scary, but it is also a necessary part of life. It's yeah. part of the circle of life, if you will. Yes. So 14 is temperance. Mm -hmm. This is the card I usually associate with balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I probably do as well because it is temperance. You balance have so many balance cards I, in your deck. Balance is important to me. Okay. <laughs> temperance is... It's another one that's sort of what it says on the tin, mm -hmm. but also has deeper layers. It represents moderation. Yes. Obviously. That's Clearly. the top level perspective of yep. temperance. Absolutely. But also that's where it comes with balance in all things. You don't want to be too head or too much heart, at least in some decision making aspects. I interpret temperance as a balance card. Yeah. I don't interpret it as related to intellect and emotion. I think it also... Because I feel like that's right. already covered by the yeah, chariot. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's to me, true. temperance represents balancing... Activity. Kind of. Yeah. Ba balancing sort of all your internal systems. Not your emotion and your intellect, but just all the functions of yourself. Mm -hmm. So your health, mm -hmm. your mental health, the cleanliness of your space how you interact with your peers. Right. It's sort of, it's a maintenance card. Mm -hmm. It's a, this is the card of self-care. <laughs> being kind uh -huh. and generous to yourself. Mm -hmm. Being patient. By the same token, recognizing when it is time to bring out the claws. Right. When it is time to be cruel. Mm -hmm. um, when it is time to, not to abandon kindness or patience, but to put them away briefly. Right. So that you can 
get something done. Temperance as moderation doesn't mean never go to an extreme. Right. It means know when it is time for an extreme and when it is time to back away from it. And I think that's why for me so many of these cards do represent balance because there's different times in life when these di and different types of balance that mm -hmm. you need to achieve and these different cards can all represent different Yeah, I think they aspects. have they have very distinctive qualities. Like mm -hmm. I said, I don't see temperance as an emotion and intellect card the way mm -hmm. I see the chariot. I see her right. as a, a more complete holistic. Yeah, holistic. That's a good description for yeah, it. Yeah, it's more holistic. Uh, 15 is the devil. This is another card that scares people. <laughs> people get freaked out when they see the devil card. Oh, no. So the devil is one that has traditionally very negative interpretations mm -hmm. and that I paradoxically interpret in a very positive way. Traditionally speaking, the devil represents addictions, mm -hmm. confinement. Temptation. Uh, temptation sometimes, yeah. But, but things that um, restrict you. Mm-hmm. Sins. Sins. <laughs> it represents sins mm -hmm. uh, in a very traditional context. As in the seven deadly. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> but since I don't believe in sin, right. my interpretation of the devil is very different. I interpret the devil as hedonism, mm -hmm. raw pleasure. Overindulgence, if you're uh, looking for not, a more... Yeah, I would not say necessarily overindulgence, mm -hmm. but certainly indulgence. indulgence. Yep. The devil is enjoying good food, mm -hmm. good sex, good art good wealth. The devil is gathering all of the earthly pleasures mm -hmm. to yourself and reveling in them. Yeah. And certainly that can have negative consequences. Yes. But I think seeing it only for its negative consequences is a shallow interpretation of the mm -hmm. card because sometimes you need and deserve those earthly pleasures. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think it's very interesting that the devil follows temperance. Mm -hmm. Temperance teaches us to be moderate, yeah. to value our health, to take care of our body and our space and our community, to be careful with our things. Right. And the devil teaches us, fuck it, you only live once. <laughs> yeah, and I do, but I do think if you're looking at a traditional rider weight interpretation, especially that sometimes it had kind of a Christianized oh, very. viewpoint... It was definitely considered hedonism in a negative context. Mm -hmm. That's the traditional that's interpretation. That's the traditional interpretation. But, but there's so much Christianity in there that I just reject it wholesale. <laughs> and I replace it with my own devil. And the, my easy guide to tarot mm -hmm. uh, says, don't forget, the devil was originally symbolized as the god Pan. In the Rider Waite, he was originally symbolized as pan and what was pan about hedonism mm -hmm. indulgence good wine good, good music wine, good sex good music good sex exactly <laughs> uh Luguru says could the devil represent a manic episode possibly mm. that would depend on your personal set of symbologies mm -hmm. and what mania means to you in mm -hmm. uh you know it it definitely could be secrecy as well right that would be sort of the the chains and restrictions yeah, aspect chains, of the devil restrictions, would secrecy. be would be sort of hiding things yeah um especially if you are hiding your pleasures right or if you're ashamed of them right it definitely could be be pointing out shame mm -hmm. and that could be personal things right that you're struggling this is, with this is some sometimes the devil really is just there to point out like shadow trauma you yeah. need to process exactly it's so a that great can... card for, for pointing out shadow mm -hmm. trauma 16 is the tower the tower card another very scary card the tower represents the destruction of something. And it's always out of your control. Yes. It's not something you and it's, ever have control of. And it's always big. And it's always outside forces. Yes. 
The tower is always something in your life combusting. Yep. Whether it's going to be completely catastrophic or whether it's going to be manageable depends both on where the card is placed in your deck, whether mm -hmm. it's upright and reverse, what cards surround it. It's a very circumstantial card. But, but the, it always represents something in your life is about to collapse. In a major way. And if you have not figured out what that is yet, it's time to do that so you can start to brace. That's right. And I always, I personally always uh, make sure people know it's not something that you have control over. It's just something you have to ride out. Right. And it's, then build back from. Exactly. It's not something you're going to be able to prevent. Nope. It's not something you're going to be able to fix. This tower will come down. Yes. And then you just have to rebuild. Yep. Next. I love the star. 17 is the, the star. star. I love the star anytime it appears in a reading because it's a very hopeful card. It, uh, it, it shows that there's a positive thing coming. Yeah. Or having hap happened. Uh, I, I describe the star as a new hope. Yep. Faith, optimism, mm -hmm. joy, yeah. safety. Well, safety in the knowledge that things are going to work out in the end. It can make people feel safe. I don't say, I wouldn't say that it represents safety on its own, mm -hmm. but I think certainly people can feel safer knowing that something positive is coming yeah, down that's, the track. I think that's what I'm trying to, to articulate, that or at least something positive something is going positive to happen. Is yeah. happen. It might be a very small thing or mm -hmm. it might be a very big thing. It's really hard to tell sort of scale with the star. Yeah. It could be a very distant star or it could be a very near star. Yep. But it is something that is an unqualified positive. Always. Always a positive. I've never had a negative interpretation of the star. Mm -mm. There are negative interpretations to some of the really positive cards. Like I have a negative interpretation for the sun. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a negative interpretation no, for the it, star. For me, it's just, you know, it is always positive, always a positive result. Mm -hmm. Whether it's big, whether it's small. Yeah. It's always going to be positive in the end. Now, I will say the star also tends to be short term. Mm -hmm. It doesn't represent long term success. No, it's like it a burst. Yeah, it's a it's a brief burst of something positive, often something creative. Mm -hmm. I find the star is often associated with creative forces or creative movements in your mm -hmm. life. Sometimes it can also represent like a financial windfall or something yep. like that. Yeah, something unexpected. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be short, sweet, and joyful. The moon. Yes. 18. Yep. This is a challenging card. Because it can be both illusion mm -hmm. and delusion. Delusion. Yeah. Deception. It, it is a card both of magic and mm -hmm. mystery and personal development mm -hmm. and deep understanding and dreams. And mm -hmm. it's a card of delusion and lying to yourself, mm -hmm. gaslighting, false dreams, nightmares. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a tricky card it can even, sometimes. It, it, quite frankly, I have seen the moon directly stand in for mental illness. What the moon represents, because it's usually presented on the card as the moon in the sky and then a plane of water of some mm -hmm. kind mm -hmm. with the moon with reflected the in it. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge with the moon is, are you seeing the moon? Or are you seeing the reflection? Yes. Are you seeing the true thing or its false representation? Because you have to remember, even with the true moon up in the sky, when it is full, we're seeing a reflection. Mm -hmm. That you know, light does that not light. generate from the moon. Yeah, it's it's being reflected by the sun. So yeah. it's so it's an illusion. Yeah. What, what we see on the surface of the moon. The light from the moon is itself an illusion. Yep. It's casting a further deeper illusion mm -hmm. on the surface of the water, and beneath the surface of the water is just the depths. Yep. And there are useful things to find in the depths. Certainly, pursuing that can be an important and engaging practice. Mm -hmm. But it is not the moon. Yeah. 
And so I, I generally don't interpret moon in the tarot as I do as a witch because, mm-hmm. you know, the moon is represented by various goddesses. There's mm-hmm. energy. And gods. There's power. Yes, and gods. There's energy. There's power. There's all kinds of positive things associated with the moon not. and not necessarily in the tarot, though. Yeah. There are positive interpretations There can to the be. Moon. Absolutely. This is one Dreams, that's... interpretations... Mm-hmm. And it can represent a specific kind of creative wisdom. Yep, yep. But this is a card which you absolutely cannot interpret in isolation. Right. It must be interpreted based on the cards around it, or you will almost guaranteed get a false reading off of it. Yeah, exactly. Even trying to interpret the moon purely by intuition, because of the nature of the moon, is likely to lead you astray. Because it is a card of intuition itself, but it is also a card of self-deception. Yeah. So if you try to follow just your intuition with the moon, with no reference to the surrounding cards or to its placement in the spread, you are almost certain to be led astray by the moon itself. Yep. This is a real strong animism moment, but this card is a trickster. Mm-hmm. It will fuck with you. Mm-hmm. Read it very carefully. Yep. 19. The sun is, in my opinion... The most positive. I mean, you've got your star mm-hmm. that's very positive outcome. And the sun is extreme, like the extreme positive card in the tarot. The sun is the most traditional, like, good card, mm-hmm. for Success, sure. Success, triumph, happiness, mm-hmm. joy. And the sun represents a more long-term... Yes, it's something that's going to be lasting. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the star, it's a burst. Yeah, the sun is a legacy. The sun is a legacy of success, positivity, mm-hmm. positive outcome. Yeah. Like, it may take you a while to get there, but ultimately, it's going to be a long-term goal reached and a positive goal. Yeah. Um, the sun is a very, very positive card, very warm, can really uplift an mm. otherwise depressing reading. Oh my God. Reading. When uh, I get some depressing readings and then that sun comes out, I'm like, oh, thank the uh-huh. gods. We got some we got some hope here at the end. Uh-huh. So it's like, it definitely is a hopeful card. Luca says, and they're both technically stars. That, I think, yeah. in fact, is why the sun and the star have such similar <laughs> energies, such mm-hmm. similar interpretations, yep. uh, such, such similar baselines. Yeah. Um, Just this, one is short and one is long term. I will say I do have a negative potential interpretation of the sun. You see it mostly in reversed suns, but Mm -hmm. occasionally it comes up in highly specific positions in a spread where the sun can represent jealousy. Mm. Either your jealousy of someone else's success or someone's jealousy of your success. Mm -hmm. This is a rare interpretation of this card, but when you get it in a position of like, what are my challenges for this year? Mm -hmm. Your challenges are not the success you're going to get. Your challenges are how you or others will react to that success. Gotcha. Interesting. Yes. 20 is judgment. This one's interesting Mm -hmm. because it's... Very influenced by the the Christian yeah. overculture that created it. Yeah, absolutely. So, just for a start, what does your book say about judgment? It is a karmic card, mm-hmm. very much about as you sow, so shall you reap, which is definitely from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, it's whatever you put out into the world, you're going to get that back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the whole, it's all of that kind of energy combined. Cycles that cycles, depicting resurrection, renewal, revival. Things of that nature. That's what traditionally Mm -hmm. it means. So my interpretation of judgment 
is wholly based on the dialogues I had with Judgment when I was first learning tarot as a teenager with the intuitive tarot. It has a slantways association with a traditional Judgment interpretation mm -hmm. through the resurrection and revival perspective. Absolution is another word. But my interpretation of Judgment is transfiguration. Mm -hmm. Judgment for me, and like I said, this is wholly garnered through direct dialogue with the card, mm -hmm. nothing to do with the original interpretations, which mm -hmm. Gwyn has just explained. My interpretation of judgment is that it is the card of transformation. Mm -hmm. And partly this is because of where it is in the alchemical process of the major arcana. It is right before the final card. This is the final transition of the fool to its new mm -hmm. being. Mm -hmm. Judgment is where that transfiguration takes place. Mm -hmm. It is the active principle of change. Mm -hmm. Because got that traditional, as you sow, so shall you reap. So mm -hmm. if you're sowing a seed, mm -hmm. it's, it's it going to... It, it changes, it evolves. it's going to evolve. It's going to transform. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it's got kind of an adjacent mm -hmm. connection through the, the resurrection yeah. qualities of a traditional judgment interpretation. But yeah. that's my judgment. Uh, you could replace it wholesale with the word transfiguration, and that would summarize it. And then finally, the last card. The world. The world. The world is usually represented as a woman, sometimes floating in space, sometimes holding the world, sometimes standing in for the world. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's literally Gaia, sometimes it's not. But my favorite thing about the alchemy perspective mm -hmm. on the Fool's Journey is that it's a very trans narrative. Mm -hmm. Because the Fool is a young man when he's born and a young woman at the end. At the end. And I, I also, it's very triumphant. If you look at the mm -hmm. card that I have, it's a young woman standing with a crown on her head, mm -hmm. like in a trophy. Yeah. You know, she's received a trophy. I would argue that the world she's is accomplished. She is the trophy. Yeah. Her being is the accomplishment. Yeah. So she is, she hasn't received an accomplishment. That's yeah, the sun. She is the success. She is she is the culmination. Yeah of that oh, success. Yeah. I think it's important to understand that it's called the world for a reason. Mm -hmm. The world represents not a single being, right. but a culmination, a culmination. of being. Mm -hmm. She both represents and is mm -hmm. everything. everything. The culmination, the success, the victory. She is herself yeah. what she has earned. She has made, she has, the, she has completed the journey. She has created herself. Yes, she has created herself. Through the process of the major arcana. Mm -hmm. Which is really a beautiful way to end this entire mm -hmm. journey. If you take it from the fool's journey yeah. in that traditional. From fool to world. From fool to world. And then, like I said, sometimes you can place the fool at the end and the whole thing starts over again, mm -hmm. and which I think is a very important point. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important that mm -hmm. the fool is zero and that yeah. he can move back and reset the ending to the beginning again mm -hmm. because you are never finished. You're never finished growing. You're never... The world is the culmination of herself, mm -hmm. but she will be the fool again yep. when there are new things for new her to challenges. learn. As there always will be. Yes. You never stop learning. And yeah. I think that's an important function. Of the, the major arcana. Of the major arcana. There's always something to learn. So rest on your laurels while you can, because mm -hmm. soon you'll be stepping off the cliff again. Yep, exactly, exactly. All right, and that's it. Yep, that we is the whole major arcana. With, of... some, with some slight, you know, uh -huh. there's a couple of 
interpretations Ode has like that are a, yeah that, that are, are divergent divergent like the lover's card mm-hmm. um, um, judgment judgment the devil, the devil. yeah um, where I diverge from a standard diverge from reading. the standard you know if you want to stick with the standard mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine yep. or if the cards are telling you something different yep. go with what the cards are telling listen you listen to your deck listen to your deck yeah and these are just my standard interpretations yeah. of these cards mm-hmm. each deck that I have has different flavors of these interpretations. Yeah, yeah. We're going to wrap this episode yeah. up because it's gone a little long. I knew as it I, would. I knew it would. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it would. Thank you for joining us for this first episode of the Tarot of 2023 and of the Tarot series. We're going to be continuing it through probably March. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Google if you Google the number three and the letters P-A-A-C or the number three and the words Pagans and a Cat. We have a website at the number three pagansandacat.com. You can find us on Patreon and Ko-Fi. Gwen has a TikTok and a Patheos Pagan blog. Mm-hmm. And anything else that we do that I have forgotten, you can find on the website. And uh, if you would like to know more about supporting us, you can go. We have that Patreon. You can yep. go check it out, find out a little more about that. Yep. And we appreciate everything that anyone is able to contribute. Always. you help us pay rent. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> all right. Keep the lights on and keep the podcast going. Uh-huh. All right. We will see you all next week. Everybody enjoy 2023. That's right. Have a good day and a good week. Bye.